A Shot of Life is sponsored by the Toronto School of Management's NCA Prep Program. Get in touch with Anton on Facebook or email ncaprep at torontosom.ca to find out how you can start prepping for your NCA exams on your own time, on demand, through pre-recorded modules taught by Canadian-trained expert lawyers, as well as study guides and notes that cover the entire NCA syllabus. Mention the discount code A Shot of Life to get 10% off your purchases with TSOM. You don't have to study alone. Get in touch with Anton and get started on your journey to becoming a lawyer in Canada today. Welcome to A Shot of Life, a podcast aimed at highlighting the personal journeys of professionals and entrepreneurs in Canada, taking a snapshot of the person behind their professional title. I'm your host, Anton Haswell. On the show today is Executive Director of the NCA, Deborah Wolf. I've had the opportunity to interview Deborah on this pod more than a few times, but not recently. I'm hoping this catch-up with the Executive Director is valuable and useful to listeners who have questions about the NCA and its processes. Enjoy! Hi, Deborah. Hi, Anton. How are you doing? Great. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been, geez, I don't know, maybe six months since last time we were we had an opportunity to speak um, on the podcast. As always, I'm I'm very grateful and thankful that you're able to do it. It's a pleasure to be back. Um, so, just jumping straight into things, Deborah. I know um, because it's been so long, um, and there have been a few changes. Um, within some policy guidelines and, you know, of course, CPLED and the new legal research and writing um, mandatory course, I guess we can call it, is is up and running now. There have been a lot of things and oppor- opportunities for students to have questions. Um, and so uh, I suppose I'm, I'm the vehicle for those questions. And hopefully um, we can provide some clarity as to, you know, how things are going for the NCA and also, you um, you know, there's an opportunity now for me to ask some questions from from candidates. So I suppose at the beginning, um, we can kind of maybe let's get into how the online exam experience has been going from the NCA's perspective. I started the podcast in 2020, just as COVID was sort of in the thick of, you know, the Canadian summer. And, um, you know, there were some issues around online exams and some hiccups with tech and things like that. But here we are now in February of 2022. And um, I can only imagine the kind of progress that's been made on all kinds of fronts. So I was just hoping maybe you could briefly speak about um, how that's going, how how the delivery of NCA exams has gone. Yeah, you know, thinking about the summer of 2020 and the difficult time we had bringing in the online exams, I don't ever want to go back through that experience again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think the the 18 months or so since then, um, we've done a we've worked so hard with uh, with our exam providers, Paradigm and Monitor Edu, uh, to improve the process, to um, make it more substantial, to learn from some of the things that happened very early on. You know, July and August of 2020 you know, spreading out the exams, um, 
the various things that we've done technologically behind the scenes to make the platforms more robust. Mm -hmm. I think that there that's bearing fruit at this point. Uh, we still have some situations where there are problems and sometimes the problems are on the side of paradigm and sometimes the problems are on the side of the exam writer. Um, and, and we are now used to seeing the various things. We had a little bit of a hiccup in, in one of the exams in January around some, some um, issues with the platform, which we fixed and which the applicants, uh, you know, we, we were able to work with the applicants to make sure that they could write their exams. But some things that we can't fix are the ones that we try and help applicants understand before they go into the exams. Things like making sure that you've got a quiet space, things like making sure that you've got um, an up-to-date computer that you've already gone on to our website to go through the testing process, that you've taken advantage of the free proctored test session the week before your exam session mm. um you'll get an e people get an email uh the, the before they then have an opportunity we're paying for this that they can go in and have a proctored session so that they it's not the first time that they've gone through the process when they go to write their first exam or even you know their second or third exam because things change over time right Mm. And so um, putting those in place, there's also a 24 seven ability to go in and look at the paradigm platform without a proctor. And, you know, just to, so that you can see what does it look like on my computer? How do I click through? How do I go from page to page? Uh, and so we're providing those types of things. And, and I really encourage people to do that because that will help them to be successful on the day of. And I, and I think we can all understand exam anxiety, um, just the normal exam anxiety of uh, it's it's a new platform i always always write my, wrote my exams by hand before or i did it with my school's system and now i have to use a new system and so we are providing those tools for people to um to go in and explore ahead of time and those have been things that it, it took us maybe you know a year or so maybe more to put those in place mm -hmm. um but we are happy with that at this point and the people you know so for example we're starting we're in exams right now for the next couple of weeks and there's probably four or 500 people writing exams and 100 people took the opportunity to go in and do the test session, the proctored test um, right. testing uh, session. And I, you know, I, that's good. It's 100 people, but it could be more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I suppose what I'm hearing, you know, generally speaking, from the NCA's perspective and, and you know, the proctors and, and your partners, your tech your tech partners who help to deliver the NCA exams, largely, um, maybe a, a few hiccups here and there, but if, if candidates are experiencing technical issues, um, it's important, I gather, for them to really, before the exam starts, look into their own technology, um, you know, even, even something as, as simple as, you know, how, how reliable is your internet provider? Um, you know, make sure that, um, Wi-Fi is is as strong as possible, and and if you you know if you live in a large space, to be closer to the to the router <laughs> sometimes helps. Um, but I think there there are sometimes people who are writing the exams, um, and I it, it actually it's an interesting question. I suppose I'll ask is what what do students have a recourse or or is there anything that they can do if the technical issue is found to be on their end um, and for some reason they're their ability to complete the exam in the way they would have preferred has been compromised um, and they, they haven't done well on the exam. I know that there were a couple of people saying, you know, there's tech issues, but 
the NCA won't refund me or, or whatever, you know, just that, that's sort of a generic sentiment that yeah. some people came to me with. What's, sure. yeah, if you could speak I on that. I understand the question and I, and I understand the high stakes mm-hmm. environment and the, you know, and the, and the nerves that go around that, you know, so a few things, I would say a few things. One, take the time to read the emails that you, that you receive about preparing for your exam. Take the time to go online and do those tests. Mm-hmm. If you experience problems while you're writing your exam, you must inform the proctor. That is the absolute first step. The proctor can typically resolve the situation or work with us to resolve the situation. Another thing that I would say that is on the front end, do not, if it's a four day um, sitting, you know, so let's say it's constitutional law and it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. do not book on the Thursday um, unless you absolutely have to, because if you run into a problem on Monday, we should be able to rebook you later in the week. If it's a, right. if it's truly a tech issue, it's, if it's not a, uh, a candidate um, that you're, you're violating the candidate agreement in some way. Um, but if it's a, if it's a tech issue, um, or I was a rear-ended that, you know, when I was taking my child to daycare this morning or, you know, like those types mm. of things, we can rebook you. And, but if you booked for Thursday and, and it's really interesting to see the numbers as people register, uh, people seem to prefer, prefer to write on the last day, uh, but that gives no flexibility. So, you know, if the, let's say that it, I don't, don't know whether it's morning or afternoon, but let's say that the exam window is uh, start window is 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. on a Thursday, and you are starting to write at 3 p.m. and you have a, a technical hiccup, there's nothing we can do about that. We can't have you write the next day because our exams are such that we can't, we will not allow an exam to be written outside of the time frame for security purposes. Hmm. So, so there's, so that's kind of on the front end. That's the very front end is, is look at what day you're registering for. Second thing is to make sure that you read all your emails. Third thing is to go in and do the two different testing, like the pre-test tests, the 24 seven walk around the paradigm system, and then the free proctored test session. And then during your exam, um, if you have a problem, advise the proctor immediately. Um, They can often resolve it or contact us for advice. Mm -hmm. And then if you did have problems, email us immediately. Don't email us two weeks later and say, oh, you know, when I wrote the exam there a couple of weeks ago, I had problems. Can you help me with this? Um, so it needs to come in immediately so that we can deal with it as it's, as the situation is fresh. So mm-hmm. if it's, I think the bottom line is that if the problem is on our side, and when I say our side, I mean the Federation, the NCA, the Paradigm or Monitor EDU will make it right. If the problem is, is something where it's something that you had control of, um, we won't be able to make that right. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say control of, it means, did you have, did you follow the instructions on preparing your computer? Um, did you make sure that you had a quiet environment without um, people walking through behind you? Those types of things. Mm. Makes sense. The general sentiment being, being a, be as proactive as you possibly can if you encounter any kind of issue um, and, and make sure that you've done the work leading up to the exam and even you know those those practice proctored sessions sound really useful and if if only a quarter or a fifth of the candidates are taking that opportunity maybe and maybe you know some like you say don't read the full emails that come from the NCA leading up to the exam for you know whatever reason they're they're really they have their head buried in their books um, and so it's just a, maybe a reminder to to take advantage of that and test out the the environment to so that you're not yeah. shaken when something might go wrong. 
Um, and so we're talking about the the evolution of the the NCA exam and the improvements with tech and and your partners. Um, and I suppose it it would be a good time to bring up a new addition that the NCA has brought on board in partnering with CPLED, and that is the legal research and writing. Um, module or course or you know I, it's not necessarily an exam it's, yeah, yeah it's a module, module. Yeah. Um, and you know from my perspective you know I've I've managed to to put together and host and and network and speak to many professionals in in the legal space in Canada for quite some time now um, and a lot of them internationally trained and a lot of them will sort of look back and say I wish I knew blank I wish I could have I wish somebody told me I needed to do xyz and invariably one of those things is um, learning how to communicate effectively in the Canadian legal world and conduct the research required once a client comes to you I think you know, there are very well established and successful lawyers in foreign jurisdictions um, who come to Canada and, and rely a lot on their previous professional experience, which is excellent. And if they're looking to conduct work internationally, great. Um, but conducting work in Canada requires a certain sort of set of skills that I think some thought they may they kind of wish they had and and that is you know legal research and legal writing effectively and uh, it sounds like the nca has also found that um and you've partnered with cplit to offer this module and i was wondering if you could speak a little bit about maybe the evolution of that and also how that's going now yes absolutely so the nca's the governing document or standards from which we draw our policies um, that document is called the National Requirement for Canadian Common Law Programs, and it applies both to the Canadian law schools and to the NCA. Mm -hmm. So our policies are not, you know, made out of the air. They're, they're all responding to the national requirement. The national requirement lays out knowledge competencies, Canadian constitutional law, etc. Mm -hmm. And it lays out, um, it lays out skills. One of the skills is Canadian legal research and writing. And so we were, we actually hadn't been really doing anything about this. Um, and so it was it was one of those areas that we still needed to bring in um, and we made a lot of changes over the last 10 years. And so it was it, there's a there's a value in, in gradually bringing in all of these different changes. But it became it was we were very, it was very clear to us that it was time to actually uh, bring in this evaluation of this skill. Uh, but it was also reinforced by a review that we did in 2017 uh, called the NCA program review that was looking at. Um, the success of NCAs in the bar admissions process and in practice, mm. and exactly what you said, Anton, about um, the 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 how important legal research and writing, and you know, the oral and written communications as a lawyer are, you know, how 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 key those skills are to success. And so, what we've done in order to ensure that that national requirement skill is properly assessed is that we've partnered with CPLED. So CPLED is um, the organization that provides the bar admissions program for Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Nova Scotia. And um, they offer a variety of uh, modules within that program. And they're mostly online now. 
Um, I don't know if they've gone back in person, but uh, we've partnered with them for an online module for Canadian legal research and writing. The benefit of partnering with CPLED is they know what they're doing. They're highly effective and efficient, uh, high quality organization in terms of, of delivery of these types of programs. But also for the people who go through um, one of those provinces and are doing the CPLED program in the future, this module that they do with us, they'll be exempted from it when they do bar admissions in those provinces. Mm. So, so this is a benefit. Um, we've done a number of pilots on uh, the NCA, um, NCA LRW module. So it's a lot of acronyms, isn't it? National Committee mm -hmm. on Accreditation Legal Research and Writing Module. Um, and the feedback from the people who have done it has been really positive. I mean, there was some feedback early on and, and we uh, modified the program somewhat. Um, and the first, the first running of it, post implementation of this new requirement is ongoing right now. And it's, so it's gonna be run every two months, a start, a start every two months. Um, and uh, they've staffed up um, in order to accommodate our numbers. So the people who are assessed on January 1st, 2022 and later will be assigned legal research and running. Now I mentioned, I think earlier, a backlog that we have in our assessments. Mm. So we've been very careful to calculate who will be, who this will, who will apply to, um, notwithstanding our backlog. So we've, we've done that very carefully and um, people who are waiting for their assessment, their email that told them that their assessment is pending will say whether they get the LRW or not. And we would actually encourage people to do the LRW module before they start writing our exams, um, because it's going to help them prepare for the exams, but it's not necessary. They can absolutely do it in the order that they that works for them and their lives, um, but it is there and it is available. And the way that the registration form is, for it is going to work is that priority will be given to people who have an NCA assessment, but other people can put their name on a waiting list. And if there are, it's space, like let's say they know that they're going to graduate in two years, they know that they're going to go through the NCA and this summer they have some time. Well, they could put their name on a waiting list and, and hopefully hop on to a module so that they've got that done already before they mm. even go through the NCA. That's cool. You know? I, did, I didn't know that, Deborah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And we've had we've had other people say, hey, you know what, I went through the NCA two years ago and I'm really, you know, I'm really struggling. I'd like to be able to take this module. Can I still do it? Absolutely. Put your, you know, say I've already gone through the NCA. I'm a practicing lawyer, but I want to do the module just for myself, you know, my self-improvement. Yeah, absolutely do it if there's space. The mm. priority has to be given to NCA students. But mm. we think that the that the uptake of NCA students is going to be a little bit slow because no one has to do it until January 1st, 2022. Right. Makes sense. Well, I mean, that's that's really interesting that that candidate. Like, I, I remember, um, you know, obviously I'm not practicing law, but I went to law school abroad. And I'm originally from Canada, and I everybody who's abroad um, and people who are thinking about coming to Canada from foreign jurisdictions, whether it's you know Nigeria, India, Pakistan, wherever, um, they probably start to think about. I wonder what it's going to be like to practice law there, <laughs> um, and if if they have an opportunity to complete that legal research and writing course before they begin the nca process um i think that's that's that could be really valuable in terms of getting a sense of getting yourself back in that mind frame like even me studying law in the uk it's common law i'm sure it's 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 kind of similar but it's also much different <laughs> um and i think um it's that's kind of a really unique opportunity for candidates to um, get a sense of what they're in for when they come back to Canada or when they come to Canada and, and do the challenge exams. 
That's, uh, you're absolutely right, Anton, especially for people coming from England, yeah. um, where it's an undergraduate program. And, and so yeah. there isn't, you know, it isn't aimed at people becoming a lawyer, mm. right? Um, you know, talking to the schools in England, um, the people who are going through that, a minority of them become barristers and solicitors. Yeah, yeah. Most true. of them are going in different directions. And so, you know, so it's not practice oriented. It's not focused on people becoming lawyers. I mean, obviously it is because it's a law degree, but not to the same extent that a JD is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the fundamental difference is an LLB um, would be an undergraduate degree in the UK, whereas a JD is is a postgraduate um practice you know preparing individuals for practice so it's i think it's still an academic degree i don't want to i don't want to yes, make it no, sound no, like of it's, course. it's a vocational school it is an academic degree and, and you know it's in a it is in a university and so there's all of that around it but Absolutely. it is yeah, yep. yeah i i can i can completely vouch believe me for for studying law abroad and um it, it's just one of those things you know and there are there are, i do speak to individuals who are studying law in the uk and you know, there's always invariably questions on it on advice um, for the NCA process and far be it for me to to give too much advice to anybody as everybody's experience is unique. But one of them I always say is always keep half an eye on Canada, you know, monitor what the policy changes are with the NCA, even when you're in the UK uh, or Australia or, or in the States. Um, but now that there's this opportunity to do this course, I think um, it would behoove people to really look into maybe putting themselves on a wait list and getting that experience, um, getting a sense of things before they really embark upon the NCA journey. Um, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose, I, I briefly, Deborah, there, there have been some questions about um, the allotted hours for exams. Uh, now, I, I suppose I can provide a bit of history there and you can piggyback on it, but Prior to COVID, um, all exams were written in person, and all exam, all in-person exams, all NCA exams were three hours in length. Um, that changed once the NCA uh, was forced by COVID and the closures of of meeting places and examination centers. Um, to going online, that changed to four hours um, to allow for some of the inevitable technical glitches that might happen. Um, and, and also, you know, people who had traditionally done almost all exams in person by hand with pen, now transitioning to keyboard, maybe giving them a little bit of extra time to get themselves used to the idea. Um, but now given that everybody's been online for so long, um, and I imagine, as we had mentioned kind of before with your tech partners, things have really shored up on the NCA side, and there are less and less technical issues that exist. Um, it seems to be now that that the idea is to go back to three hours. Um, and there were some questions about, you know, can we just leave it at four? Wouldn't that be okay? Um, <laughs> I, I was wondering if you could speak just briefly about about that and, and a bit of the philosophy behind the changes in hours for the exams. Yes. Well, you mentioned some of the 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 re- some of the reasons for for making this change. Um, mm. The exams are three hour exams. The exam content did not change when we went to four hours. Mm. So the we're asked the what we ask the examiners to do is to set a three hour exam that covers the the material that's in the syllabus. So um, people are actually and we did the four hours purposely to um, accommodate that transitional. Um, process and knowing that people are all over the world and knowing it was very early in the pandemic. I think we were hoping at the time the pandemic would end soon. 
um, that we know better now, uh, that there were technical issues, there were adjustment issues on all sorts of sides. And you know, also thinking about the, the exam providers, they were going from a certain level of business to you know, 10 times that business or 50 mm. times the business with everybody going online. Um, and, and, and there absolutely were technical issues in the beginning, lag, time lags, um, you know, issues with, with uh, moving from page to page, scrolling. We fixed a lot of those. In fact, I don't know if anybody's mentioned it, but um, we now have the question and the answer box side by side. So there's a lot less scrolling that was brought in, I think in December, perhaps in January. So I'm hoping that people are gonna find that it's a lot less scrolling um, in the exam. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and things like, did the highlighting function work properly? Uh, I think it didn't. And now it does. And so there's all of those things. Um, but the bottom line is it's a three hour exam. The examiners were asked to set a three hour exam and we have to move back to a three hour exam. And I guess, you know, kind of a benefit for people who are adjusting to this is that um, in Canada, law is practiced online. I mean, it's obviously meetings are in person and hopefully at some point the court systems will get back completely in person. Um, but you know, when you're dealing with a client, you're dealing with a client by email, you're, you know, you're, most people are going to be uh, doing a lot of their materials themselves on their computer. Um, and so it, 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 it's looking forward to that and, 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 and taking into consideration that that is what's their, what they have to do now. I think also, you know, when we're looking at a lot of the people coming through the process, we're, we have such a diverse body of students, if we want to call them students coming through the NCA hmm. from, you know, 20, 21 year olds who've graduated from high school and then did a three-year law degree in England to people who are much more senior in the profession. And, um, you know, having a certain type of exam may benefit some people and another type of exam may benefit other people. And um, we just find that the online exams have so many benefits in terms of the flexibility and um, the ability to offer these exams around the world uh, to people in their in where they are, um, mm. that we're going to stay with it. And we have to make sure that it is an equivalent process to what we used to offer. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I think I think that clears it. I mean, to be to be fair with like, I, I kind of I totally understand that the exams, even in law school when I was there, it's sort of a synonymous thing. Uh, law exams are three hours and it made sense to extend to four, but I, I suppose I, I kind of always figured it would eventually get back to three. And, um, you know, like you say, um, the world's moving in an ever more technological way. And, um, you know, far be it for me to tell people what to do, but in some ways we need to get used to the tech and we need to get used to our keyboards. And I think it's an opportunity for people to sharpen that that particular tool too. So um, hopefully uh, more comfort. And like you say, actually, it's quite a good development that questions and answer boxes are beside each other now rather than on top. So there's less scrolling and, and hopefully that, that helps people. Um, I was wondering, Deborah, if you could speak a little bit about, and I, I kind of think I asked you maybe a year, maybe longer ago, about the amount of people who are applying to get their assessments with the NCA. Um, and you had mentioned a number that was much bigger than what I expected. Um, I think even now, you know, the volumes there, as I'd imagine, and I don't know the number and you'll, you hopefully you'll be able to tell me, but the reason I'm asking is because a lot of people ask me, um, 
what's with the wait times? <laughs> uh, like there, some people can get a little bit agitated that, you know, they've submitted their application at such and such date and I still haven't heard. Um, so I'm wondering if you could speak speak about the volume of applications you get and some of maybe the processes that are involved in assessing those those applications, you know, in and out of, you know, previous lockdown eras that we've had, but now uh, moving forward, sort of what the process is in, in assessing an application. Yeah, I don't know that volume is the reason behind um, some of the, 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 the challenges that we're having in getting things out on time. Mm -hmm. um, the, I just opened up the statistics while you were talking and, um, you know, our numbers have gone up dramatically in the last five years. Um, but this year, uh, we're not, our numbers are not increasing. They're mm. flat from last year, but they, but that's on top of increases that were 11%, 28%, 19% and 19%. Mm. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're fully a hundred percent bigger than we were in um, four or five years ago. So, you know, there's there's situations around staffing, um, but most of the issues around staffing were communications as opposed to around assessments. I think the real reason that we have issues um, with uh, our timelines on producing the on producing the assessment is that the pandemic has really affected our ability to uh, perform work in the office, mm. and so um, Ontario had more lockdowns than many other locations had. And we're not an essential business. Um, and we're able to do many, many things at a distance, but there are a couple of really key things that we can't do at a distance. Mm -hmm. One of those is assess files um, because we're getting, we're getting documentation both physically on paper and um, electronically through secure document transfer systems. Um, but the, the actual assessment that's done by my team is done on paper in with a file. And then the other thing that we can't really do um, at a distance is um, issue the physical certificate of qualification, the very last step of the process. Mm. Although, you know, even during lockdown, we uh, would send someone in, you know, one day every few weeks to, to print up the CQs that needed to be uh, sent to Ontario or, or another province in order for calls to the bar to happen because most of the places, they won't call people to the bar until unless they've got a physical CQ. Um, which is which makes sense, and so we accommodated that requirement. But the backlog really is due to that the shutdowns, and and um, we were fortunate that this last shutdown in Ontario, we didn't have to close the office, but uh, we were very careful to minimize the number of people in the office because Omicron has just been so rampant and so infectious that you know for the first time we were seeing it amongst people in our circles. Um, whereas, you know, it hadn't in, in previous lockdowns, but we were locked down, you know, four months in, in the beginning of 2020, and then two months at the beginning of 21, and then another two or three months, kind of spring, summer of 2021. And those backlogs really slowed us down. The first one was the, the easiest backlog because it seemed like the whole world stopped, right? So we got right. back to work after four months and there wasn't, there weren't stacks of mail, but the other backlogs, Ontario shut down, but other places didn't necessarily shut down. And so, you know, the quantity of mail that came in was still very high. Mm. Um, so at this point, it's been an issue around um, having to keep the office shut or, or, or and, and trying to deal with the quantity of, of, um, of mail that has come in at the same time. So we are catching up. Um, it has been slow. And um, we've had some impacts in Ottawa with the ability to have, get our people into the office just recently with what's going on here. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, but but everybody is working diligently and and as quickly as possible uh, to get things moving forward. Of course, we always have to uh, balance speed with accuracy and making sure that we do things correctly. So I understand the the frustration. I'm frustrated too. I mean, it's never, never in my how many years of running the NCA have we been in an environment where we are this backlogged on our um, on on getting things through. But what's interesting is the federal government, their department in that that looks at regulation of the professions, sets a, a standard of a year to get the assessments out for people. And I laughed when I first saw that because I thought, oh, well, we do it in two to four weeks. Hmm. Um, you know, now we're not at two to four weeks. We're probably around four months, um, but we'll get back there. It yeah. just is going to take some time to do that. Right. Yeah. And actually, you made mention of what's going on there in Ottawa for people who are listening now. Um, in February of 2022, you'll know that that's the truckers protest in Ottawa. And maybe you can do some reading about that if you haven't heard about it. But I hear it's it's quite hectic in the nation's capital at the minute. It's been uh, very difficult to live here. I live in the downtown core and our office is in the downtown core and it's been very difficult. So, yeah. you know, and, and I'm, I, I don't know that I would call it a trucker protest. I think that's how it started, but I don't think right. that's what it is. Right, but, no, um, it's not. It's evolved into something entirely different now. Yeah, agreed. Um, and so we, we spoke a little bit about the, the backlog and assessments and I think, it largely makes sense, you know, the lockdowns, they kind of um, compound upon each other um, and coupled with increase, as you say, in the past five years of 100% um, in volume, I think, you know, eventually that's what that's what leads to that. And it sounds like the NCA is committed to getting back to their their traditional wait times of two to four weeks. And, yeah, you know, I think you'll you'll get there. Um, so I, I guess. On the flip side of that, I was wondering, uh, and some people had some some genuine curiosity about um, the journey of of internationally trained lawyers when they come to Canada and they go through accreditation. Are there any statistics kept by the NCA in terms of how many of those candidates successfully complete their journeys, um, or you know, satisfy the requirements that are set out in their assessments and and go on to licensing or um, or not? Yeah, I mean, we don't publish statistics just because they're they're they're, they're around. You know, there's issues around interpretation of them. Right. Um, but you know, as I said, um, we hit just about 3,500 applications last year, and our year is July 1st to June 30th, mm-hmm. um, and it'll be about the same um, this year, about 3,500, unless there's a big increase over the next few months, and I don't expect that. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be about 3,500 again this year. Um, last year we issued 1,500 just over 1500 um, certificates of qualification. So in one sense, you could say, oh, that's that's not even half of the people going through are getting their certificates. But I think what's important to be to remember in a situation like this is that there's a time lag. Yeah. Um, people are people are given five years to go through the process. Um, and I and, you know, if we were to look at the median time to get through the NCI, I think we probably around 18 months would be the median time. Some mm-hmm. people can make it faster. And then a lot of people take a lot longer. You know, they've got a lot going on in their lives. Um, if they're immigrating to Canada, there's settlement issues. Um, if they're overseas, they're, you know, they're, they're still working and, and um, you know, mm-hmm. preparing to move to Canada. Um, if you just graduated from law school and came back to Canada, um, you are, you know, paying off whatever, maybe school debts or the, those types of things. You've got your life. Um, 
And so, as, as I said, that median time frame to, to earn your CQ is probably 18 months of the people who earn their CQ. That doesn't take into consideration people who don't earn them. And then, of course, not everybody is given the opportunity to even go through the process. Mm. There will be people who we say, um, I'm sorry that your qualifications really do not allow us to, um, to give you the opportunity to sit our exams or even complete your requirements through law school. And in cases like that, their, oppor- their, their options would be to choose a different career path or go back and earn a JD, in which case, a Canadian JD, in which case they wouldn't go through the NCA, or maybe go someplace else where they mm-hmm. can um, use that, that degree. So some people don't even go through. Now, it's, it's a small number, but it's not, an, it's not a trivial number mm-hmm. um, of people who, who are not allowed to continue through the process. Right. Well, that, that's interesting. It's always, and I think I can understand why, you know, statistics, if they're published, they're always open to interpretation. And um, there are certain certain reasons of why, you know, 3,500 is actually quite a healthy number. As you mentioned it, I'm thinking, geez, if that's year on year, that's, you know, 7,000 in two years and how many lawyers are going to be in Canada, but things take time and, and lawyers now are, are also retiring. And so there's this endless cycle of new lawyers coming in. It's interesting that it's quite a lot of internationally trained lawyers now um, getting, getting through the process and, and eventually being called to the bar. I suppose you don't have statistics necessarily on, on the licensing success of candidates um, or do we? Or no, do we... no, that would be something that the law societies would have yeah. to, would have to produce. And, you know, for us, it's not, we're not focused on supply and demand. We're not, no. you know, we, we have no numbers that we're aiming for, um, you know, as a, as a, we're not a regulatory body, but we serve regulatory bodies. And, mm. and our role is not to say uh, we're cutting it off at this point. Our role is to deal with the people who come forward, mm-hmm. um, assess their qualifications. And for those people who complete their assigned requirements, issue them their certificate, um, regardless of the number. Right. I think that's important, actually. It's, a, it's a sort of a small little aside from you, Deborah, but it is important because I think some people, I mean, even even myself, when I was looking at the NCA, it's it's not quite, some people aren't quite sure what the role is of the NCA. And as you mentioned, it's it's essentially um, an accreditation body and, and you service everybody who comes to you and you will assess the application from everybody and give an answer to everybody. And um, what they do with that assessment, whether they choose to go through the NCA process ultimately, um, whether they're getting licensed, how they proceed in their profession is sort of beyond your remit, right? It's not, it's not necessarily your, your concern. Um, it, your major concern is to, is to get assessments done and ensure that people, once they go through the, the accreditation process, meet the, um, the national requirement. Yes, yes and no, Anton. I, I would say that I am concerned about mm. the success of NCA certificate holders in the bar admissions process. Right. Because, you know, if, if we're not preparing them for success, then we're not doing our job right. So right. Um, I am I am interested in that, um, but I I'm also interested in making <clears throat> excuse me making sure that people who come through the NCA are meeting our sign are, are are meeting our requirements. Right. And you know so so there's there's making sure that the requirements are matched up with what the needs are in bar admissions and those standards that the Nash what the national requirement says that people need at the end of their JD their Canadian JD or at the end of their certificate journey. Um, that that is preparing them for those next steps. Mm-hmm. So I'm very interested in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I suppose the the implementation of the CPLED uh, legal research and writing uh, module um, can point to that and sort of helping to continue to 
advance the skills of candidates so that they're more and more successful when the time comes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, sort of, sort of getting to the end of the list of questions and is- and topics that we were going to discuss, Deborah, is one of our favorite and uh, an, an evergreen topic. It's the issue of distance learning and online education. Uh, we don't have to spend too much time on it because I know we have done. Um, and uh, I'm, I just, again, uh, there are some questions about it. Um, there are, you know, as, as we go into the future, there's going to be more and more um, accepted um, avenues of g- obtaining a degree through online means. Um, let's put it that way. And a lot of people are wondering how come my distance learning education isn't acceptable in the NCA's eyes. So just briefly, Deborah, if you could touch a little bit about a little bit on online learning um, and how the NCA's adapted to to the new normal um, given COVID. So again, I, I'm going to go back to the national requirement and what it states in the national requirement and what it stated in the source documents that um, that were prepared around the time that the national requirement was was developed in, in 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there were a number of really basic things that were decided. Law, a law degree needs to be three years or equivalent credits, which is about 90 credits, depending on how you define a credit. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that the law degree needs to be primarily in person or through uh, instruction that is um, interactive with the professor and the student. Um, that primarily means two thirds. Mm-hmm. So and and that and that there was a recognition at the time that online learning was in its infancy. Um, remember, this is you know the 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 standard was written in two thousand eight two thousand nine. So I think we we would all agree that it existed. Online learning existed, but in no way does it look like what it looks like today. Right. Um, and so it, the the source document references the changes and the the growing. Um, online learning, but that it was too early for any kind of a determination to be made in that direction. And so it was determined that the requirement was two years in person, and then one year could be in person or something else. Mm -hmm. And so this is how people coming from England in the two-year law degrees um, can come through the NCA, because it's two years in person, and then another year that can be in person or some other method, which would be normally exams for the folks who are coming with two-year law degrees. Mm-hmm. When we got when we got to the pandemic and um, the whole world went online, we had to step back and say, okay, how are we going to react to this? And there was clear in the source documents that were put together and the and the you know those consultations and discussions of putting together the NCA, sorry, the national requirement, was that in no world did that group look at it being a completely distance or online degree. Um, that there had to be some sort of a component of physically in person in order to have the role modeling and the mentoring and the mooding and all of these different things um, that, that you gain from being physically in person, um, but that we could we could change the proportions somewhat. And so in um, uh, what we ended up doing is we ended up changing the policy to one year physically in person, one year online that where the online offering meets a set of criteria that the NCA put together. And then one year that could be anything Mm. um, online, in person or distance or NCA exam. And so what this means is that there's much more flexibility now, but this isn't the end of the story. This is what the policy is today. 
Um, and I expect this is what the policy is going to be for the next year or two. Um, but, there, but we are actually looking at the national requirement. And one of the things that we're looking at is online learning. Mm. And I think that had we looked at the national requirement in 2019, we would have had people saying online learning is great and other people saying online learning is not great. And, and there would have been no way to bridge that gap because there was no, in reality, almost no one was doing those types of programs. You know, Hamline University and a couple of others aside, um, there really was no one doing online learning. And I'm talking online learning, not distance education, right? So we've yeah. got definitions of in-person, online and distance and, and people can go and look at our policy for those definitions. And so the, the, what we're going to be able to do now is to take the experience of the last two years and say, what has been, what has worked well and what are the downfalls of that online environment? And I think that we would all say, just in our own lives, whether we've got children or whether we're operating, you know, we're working from a distance, that there's all sorts of benefits to the online world, but that it does not replace um, that in-person environment. And mm -hmm. it's really been interesting to listen to leaders and those the thinkers about what our workplaces are going to look like in the future. And, you know, what it's going to look like when we can go back to the office. Our office is going to go back 100%. I doubt it. Hmm. Um, are they going to be, are they going to stay hundred percent remote? I doubt it. There'll be something in between. Right. Yeah. Um, and so when we're looking at this question of online distance and in person, um, the policy as it's written is, as I described it, um, one year physically in person, one year in person or online that, that meets our criteria. And then one year that can be anything. Um, but it might change down the road. Um, right. we might look at the criteria. We might, um, you know, you know, we, we, we are going to be going down that road of having those conversations, but the policy is what the policy is right now. And I want to remind people that um, that your qualifications are assessed based on the policy that is in effect at the time that your file is assessed. Right. So if you graduated in 1995 or you graduated in 2005 or you graduated in 2025, you know, and, and, and you know, your file is assessed based on what the policy is when you are, when your file is ready to be assessed. So um, if you did distance education in 2015, we're applying the policy today. Um, but if you're making decisions today on what you're going to do and you look at the policy of today, um, that's going to be instructive, but it's not going to be definitive. It's a, it's an ever evolving space this online now, um, and it's it's interesting to know that that the NCA will be looking at, you know, those policy changes that were made relatively recently, largely because of COVID and and the shutting down of borders and some the need for online learning for a lot of institutions to stay active and for students to continue learning, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how how that's affected. The, the next pool of candidates that come through. But it's not the NCA that's looking at it. No. It's the Federation of Law Societies of Canada with the, with the law societies. Right, right. So it's the overarching policy document, standards document that we're, mm -hmm. that we're looking into. Because, you know, when, when, when we sometimes get people saying to us, but all the Canadian schools are online. Um, mm -hmm. And the same policy applies to the Canadian schools. So I spend a lot of time talking to the Canadian, uh, the deans of the Canadian law schools. And they also have to have their students completing a minimum of one year in person. Right. And, and because the, the degrees are three years, I am absolutely confident that it's going to, that they're going to all be fine. Um, and we're spending a lot of time on this um, 
because of, of some of the, the constraints that people are having who are attending law school today in, in jurisdictions where the law where the degree perhaps is not three years, or if it, it or it's not, or it's a three-year degree offered over a shorter time frame. And so, you know, those are those types of challenges are today challenges. But as life opens up, and, and let's hope that life continues to, to open up, um, you know, a lot of schools are going to a hybrid methodology uh, or a blended learning environment. And you know, when I talk about one year, one year, one year, it, it's not one, like, it's not just the year and the year and the year, it, it's, it, it can be counted throughout the program. Right. So, you know, we could get in a situation where um, somebody starts in uh, September 2022, and half their courses are online and half their courses are in person. And that's fine, right? Because mm-hmm. that's going to more than meet our requirement um, for a three-year degree. And although I would encourage everyone to, to keep an eye on our website, we will always have our advisories up as to what's going on. And um, there will always be transitions in for these big types of changes that will that may or may not be coming forward. Right, right. Um, and I guess sort of to wrap up, Deborah, on that note, uh, we're t- talking about policy and looking forward. Um, is there anything from the NCA um, sort of uh, consider this maybe a, a virtual <laughs> um, update that you may be able to give some candidates or it, it, anything from your end that you think might be useful for candidates to to learn and to know? Well, I think that they that candidates need to keep an eye on our website. Um, and we, we get a lot of questions um, and, and we are only still taking questions by email. Um, so if people are phoning us, we, we cannot take uh, accept phone calls now because most of our folks are still working from home mm-hmm. and I will not record home phone call, home phones. Mm-hmm. So um, most of our other questions are, are being, uh, we are only answering through email. Um, most of the things are on the website and I would encourage people to continue to watch our website, watch our advisories, check in every you know few weeks or so. We don't put, post that many advisories. Um, you know, when, when we email you about something, we're only going to email you about things that are really important. Please mm-hmm. read them. Please read them to the bottom. Um, and, uh, you know, the changes that may or may not be coming forward in the future, um, we will we will highlight them on our website. And um, I think that we're going to be doing some consultations as well over the next little while. We're probably time to do another survey with the NCAs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like uh, communication. Do you want to communicate with us on Twitter? Um, do you want, are you, are you happy with the email? Um, those types of questions that we may be interested in. Mm-hmm. So the, I think we're, it feels like right now we're in a period of um, continuing to catch up from the impact of the pandemic. Um, and, and the focus has to be a fair bit on that so that we can come out and get back to our timeframes and then have uh, again that focus on improvement and um, you know looking at are our assessment methodologies the right assessment methodologies is a written exam appropriate for someone um, who's going through the NCA and maybe we'll bring in some other options maybe Mm -hmm. there'll be um, you know a fewer number of law school style exams but maybe there'll be an OSCE um, you know some sort of a skills-based assessment. I don't know. I mean, we're, we're looking at all sorts of things. And when I say we, it is the bigger we. It is the federation with the law societies, um, you know, with the NCA there at the table. So it's uh, because anything that we change in that, in that area in terms of those bigger competencies or the more overarching competencies and skills and um, the, those policies have to apply both to 
the Canadian graduates and the NCA. Great. So, yeah, I mean, uh, for everybody listening, I suppose, continue to check the website and um, continue to check that advisory section as things continue to evolve. Um, that's that's sort of the first place to go, even prior to sending an email off. Um, in in most cases, perhaps, um, unless they're very personal, um, very unique questions, some of the, most questions can be answered by reading through policy documents and and checking out the advisory pages and other resources that exist on the nca.legal website. Correct. Well, <laughs> Thank you for that plug there, Anton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, well, Deborah, uh, it's been a while. Um, hopefully, we can catch up um, in a shorter time frame than six months from now um, to see how things are going. Uh, as always, to to spend about an hour um, speaking with you and and having some of the questions raised by candidates answered and learning a little bit more about the processes and some of the thinking that goes behind not only NCA decisions, but uh, federation decisions. Um, I think it's really useful. And um, you know, I, I hope that the candidates learn something too. And I, I really appreciate your time. Well, you know, Anton, it's really valuable to do these. And, and the fact that um, it's reaching um, students and they can hear these explanations and they can you know, direct their questions through you, I think is really valuable. And, and um, I appreciate you doing this. And so um, I wish you well. I wish all of the students well who are going through the process and success on their exams and their other processes. Great. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you. And that does it for this episode of A Shot of Life. It's been a while since I managed to pump out one of these things, and I hope to do a lot more um, in the new year in 2022 so um, for those of you who have guest recommendations please do let me know um, and yeah just watch this space until the next episode we'll talk again yeah.